Well, it is so good to be with you and everyone across all of our Grace Chapel campuses. This morning, we are in the next to last week of our sermon series, One Word Prayers. And I don't know about you, but I have loved this series because it has been teaching us how to cultivate a closer relationship with God by praying prayers that are honest and vulnerable and raw. And you don't need to be an expert to do this. This is something each of us can do. Now, some of the prayers that we might have talked about this summer might have caught you a little bit by surprise. Prayers like but or why or even wow. But today's prayer is one you might have expected, and that is the prayer, thanks, thanks. Just about all of us are taught at a young age to say thanks before we eat a meal or to say thanks before we go to bed. Because I think instinctively almost all of us know that being grateful is essential to living life well. But while I think all of us know that, it seems like in our day and age, we come across fewer and fewer people who are truly grateful. And instead, I find like I'm encountering people who are more discontent and dissatisfied than ever. So as we begin, I'd like for you to take a moment to think about who is the most grateful person that you know. And then tell the person next to you who that is, okay? So take about 30 seconds, seconds to tell the next person around you here Who's the most thankful or grateful person that you know? It sounds like At least here in our Lexington campus, a few people are struggling to come up with somebody. It's not as easy as you think, sadly. Well, as I took some time to think about it, two people came to mind. And the first is the host of The Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) Every Friday on his show, Jimmy has a segment called Thank You Notes, where he writes thank you notes to different people and random objects. For instance, one time he wrote a thank you note to the phrase, The greatest thing since sliced bread. Here's what he says. Thank you, the phrase, the greatest thing since sliced bread, for making me seriously wonder who's in charge of deciding what the greatest thing is. (laughs) So if it's okay with you, I thought I'd take a couple moments to write a few thank you notes of my own. I need to catch up a little bit. Is that okay with you? And uh, give me a little help. Uh, Robert, would you mind playing a little thank you note music for us? That's not the right tone. It's a new keyboard. All right. (laughs) And Robert's not supposed to laugh while we do this either. He has to keep a straight face. I'm hanging on by a thread here. (laughs) All right. That's it. Thank you, 18th and 19th century Massachusetts cows, for creating the past that became our city's very logical and easy-to-navigate roadway system. You did an utterly fine job. Thank you, MBTA, Green Line T-Trains, for being so small that you give me the chance to drop all of my polite, courteous, loving, after-you habits to push and shove my way onto the train after a Red Sox game. Move it or lose it, go Sox! Thank you, Grace Chapel Online Giving, 
For while you are convenient and nearly effortless, you make me feel guilty every time the offering plate is passed and I put nothing in it. Some of you feel that way occasionally? Yeah, yeah. Robert, you? Yeah? You're in the zone over there, man. Yeah. Thank you, Massachusetts snowplows, for clearing the roads to make it possible for me to drive even if you create a snow barricade that makes it impossible for me to get out of my driveway. <laughs> and thank you, Grace Chapel Lexington Visitor Parking Lot, for tempting me to lie about being a visitor <laughs> when I see those couple empty spots when I'm running late to church. Yes, even pastors think about doing that. That's all I needed to write today. We thank Robert over here for the nice music. So Jimmy Fallon was the first person I thought of, but the person I thought a little bit more seriously of is my friend and mentor, Kent. Kent and I have known each other for the last seven years, and he's the kind of person who truly knows how to be in the moment, wherever he is. He's such a grateful person. And he told me recently that one of the things that's helped him be as grateful as he is is this quotation that he writes down in the beginning of every one of his journals. And here's what it says. For all that has been, thanks. To all that shall be, yes. For all that has been, thanks. To all that shall be, yes. That kind of statement helps you to be as grateful as you can, to count the blessings you've received. But it's also like raising a toast to what is to come and say, yes, I'm in. I can't, ready, can't wait for that. Imagine if that was your prayer. Lord, for all that has been, thanks. To all that will be, yes. I imagine that you would be more grateful and appreciative of all that God has given you and even more expectant for all that God is going to bring. I think this is the kind of praying that Paul teaches us to do in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. He writes this, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now the prepositions in this uh, verse matter significantly. Notice that Paul does not say to give thanks for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. In other words, Paul is not prescribing that we say thanks to God for that illness or that disease or that tragedy or that tough situation. But he's saying in the midst of all of these things, we are nevertheless called to be grateful. And so my hope for all of us today is that we would learn to become the kind of people that can say thanks to God no matter what situation we're in. Whether you're a believer or not, I think we can all agree that your life would be better off if you were more thankful and your life would be more satisfying and it would be more full if you were more of a thankful person. And so to help us see how we can cultivate thankfulness today, I'd like for us to ask these three questions. First, why be thankful? Why be thankful? How does it benefit us to actually be more grateful people? We know we should do it, but how does it benefit us? Secondly, Let's talk about what obstacles keep, keep in the way of us becoming more thankful people. And then lastly, how can we actually take next steps to be more thankful people, even in the midst of the most difficult situation? 
So let's begin by capturing a vision for why we should be thankful by reading Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. I love how the more contemporary version of the Bible, the message, puts this. It says, on your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. Know this, God is God and God, God. He made us. We didn't make him. We're his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise. Thank him, worship him, for God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal and always, ever. So why do we worship and give thanks to God? For he is sheer beauty. He is good, loyal, and loving, always and ever. I love how Peterson puts verse 4. He's the translator of this passage. He says, enter with the password, thank you. How do we gain a greater sense of God's presence in our lives? By simply saying the words, thank you. Thank you that we're your people. Thank you that our heart's true home is with you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for life and breath and everything else. Thank you for you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What this means is that we should give and pray thanks because praying thanks places us in the presence of God. Praying thanks places us in the presence of God. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, isn't God everywhere already? Why do I need to pray thanks in order to be placed in his presence? Let me explain. While God is everywhere and there's no place you can go where you'd be separated from him, it is possible to be especially mindful of him and more fully present to his presence. Brother Lawrence described this as the practice of the presence of God. St. Patrick, in his famous prayer, St. Patrick's Breastplate, prayed a prayer to put himself in God's presence. He said, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ beside me. That prayer helps him to acknowledge that God is already here, and he is here with us. Dallas Willard used to say that he'd begin his day just as he was waking up by praying this simple prayer to the Lord. You are here. God, you are here. And sometimes he'd say that the Lord would answer him back. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I invite you right now just to close your eyes, to be still, and to say those words to acknowledge that God is here. Lord, you are here. And imagine God saying back to you, yes, I am. God, thank you that you're with us. Amen. So just as Dallas placed himself in God's presence by saying you are here, so we can place ourselves in God's presence as we pray the words, thank you, thanks. Maybe you're here today and can't say that you've ever really seemed to sense God's presence in your life before, or maybe for a really long time. My simple encouragement to you would be to start simply saying thanks 
for the littlest things in life. Thank you for the new day, for breakfast, for, for thank you notes, for cliff bars, mountains, lakes, rivers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course, ocean, sports, cars, sports cars, whatever it is that you are thankful for. Take a moment each day to just say thanks to God. And I bet you'll begin to discover that God is closer than you think. And just as a brief aside, if as the Bible says, every good and perfect gift is from God, then when we say thank you, maybe the ultimate you in thank you is God. Maybe the ultimate you, when we say thank you, if God's the giver of every good and perfect thing, then maybe we're saying thank you to God more than we realize. So we should cultivate thankfulness first because praying thanks places us in the presence of God. And secondly, because praying thanks heightens our joy. Praying thanks heightens our joy. In her book, Help Thanks Wow, author Anne Lamott argues that saying, that saying, praying, and meaning thanks leads to a crazy thought. What more can I give? What more can I give? When we realize that that all that we've been given, that life itself is sheer gift, and how much grace has been extended to us, it fittingly leads us to consider how much we can give. I love what she goes on to say. Gratitude begins in our hearts, then dovetails into our behavior. It almost always makes you willing to be of service, which is where the joy resides. Wow. So the more grateful we become, the more willing we are to serve. And the more we serve, not in a grit-your-teeth kind of uh, dutiful way, but from a place of gratitude, the more joy we are going to experience. So gratitude overflows into service, and service overflows into joy. And I bet this is a cycle where then joy overflows to gratitude, which overflows to service, which overflows to joy. It's hard to say that really fast, isn't it? <laughs> so giving thanks ultimately heightens our joy. I think the reason for this is because life itself, and many, many of you have probably discovered this, that life itself is far more about giving than getting, isn't it? Think of some of Jesus' words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, if you want to find your life, then lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will really get it. If you try and keep your life, and other, I should say, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Praying thanks heightens our joy because in the giving, the serving, the losing, this is where joy resides. So why be grateful? Because praying thanks places us in the presence of God and praying thanks heightens our joy. And I think these two ideas are actually inseparably connected. And Psalm 1611 is the link. It says this, that God makes known to us the path of life. In his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. This means that if we have a life with God, the fullness of joy is available. And if that's available, then what more could we want or need? There's no such thing as like a greater, something greater than the fullness of joy. There's nothing like a fuller fullness of joy. It's full joy without room for more. And if someone tries to tell you otherwise, you can tell them they're full of it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> 
But because of what Jesus has done through his death on his cross and the resurrection from the grave, we can live a life with God in his presence right now. And it is here with him that that fullness of joy is found. And when we have that, we can have all that we could ever want or be asking for. And then we can become incredibly grateful people now without one other aspect of our life changing. And when I think of the availability of a life like that, I can think of no better thing to say or no better word to pray than thanks. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. So why be thankful? Because praying thanks places us in the presence of God, and praying thanks heightens our joy. Let's look at our second question. What has kept us then from being more grateful, or what keeps us from becoming more grateful people? We all know we should be more grateful, but what actually gets in the way of that happening? Let me list off a few things that I've found rob us of gratitude. First is comparison. Comparison. If you want to become less grateful, commit to constantly comparing yourself to others. If you want to be less grateful, compare away. Comparison will always strip you of gratitude because it causes you to dwell on what you lack by prohibiting you from seeing what you already have. Isn't it ironic that when you're a kid and your parents are upset with you because they don't think you're showing enough appreciation, they force you into playing the comparison game? Here's what I mean. Let's just say you don't want to eat those frozen lima beans and those flavorless canned peas that are left on your plate getting colder and grosser uh, as you refuse to eat them. Any kids out there or big kids out there ever been in that situation before? Yeah? (laughs) So what do our parents normally say after that? They say we should be more grateful because there are kids all around the world that are starving and wish they could eat those lima beans and those green peas, right? Yeah. This is called coercive gratitude by guilt. (laughs) And therapists all over the country are making a living helping people get over the guilt they carry with them for not eating their lima beans. But are you ever actually that much more grateful when you think about what you have in comparison to what others lack? Maybe for like a time, like after you get back from a mission trip, but generally what seems to happen if you compare what you have to what others lack is, you will compare what you lack to what others have. And that is a recipe for disappointment and envy and jealousy. Instead of comparing, pray thanks for everything you have and you'll be amazed at how much you've already been given. So the first obstacle is comparison. The second is hurry. When you are rushed, moving as fast as you can, constantly pushing your way onto the green line or wherever you're going, you miss so much of what's going on around you, and especially who is around you. Maybe people that God has called you to love and to serve, or maybe even God himself. There is a beauty and a goodness to the ordinariness of life, and these things are gifts from God. But how often do we simply miss these opportunities to say thanks because we never slow down? So slow down. Pay attention. You still paying attention? Pay attention and find yourself more grateful. Here are a few more. Impatience. Believing that I don't have something right now, that I never will have it. A condition resulting in panic, anxiety, and taking measures into one's own hands prematurely, therefore shortchanging opportunities for personal growth and formation. Impatience. Entitlement. 
believing that I really am that awesome and seeking justice to get what is rightfully mine without hard work, dedication, and long-term commitment. This could result in a possible chronic dissatisfaction and a probable need to get a spanking as an adult. Entitlement. (laughs) Fantasizing. Believing that somewhere else, someone else, or something else is preferable to this place, to this person, or this life results in perpetual discontentment and unfaithfulness, fantasizing, grumpiness, assuming the worst, feeding on the negative, anticipating annoyance, and secretly hoping nothing works out just so that you are able to say, I told you so, results in an inability to enjoy anything good, grumpiness. And this list could continue. Essentially, anything that takes your sight away from God and his work in the world in your life will lead you to be less thankful. Because because life with God is the fullest life we can experience, anything else means something less. It means settling for less. But while most of these behaviors are actually within our control to do or not to do, What probably gets in the way of gratitude more than anything else are the tough circumstances in life that are are things that just happen beyond our control. A diagnosis, a death, disappointment, or discouragement, some kind of loss, a lost job, a lost friend, a lost relationship, a lost responsibility, a lost dream, a lost goal, two lost Super Bowls to the Giants. Sorry. Nothing knocks the wind out of our efforts to cultivate thankfulness more than experiencing something tragic that is beyond our control. And the reality is, none of us is immune to this. So how can one possibly pray and give thanks in all circumstances when so many things have fallen significantly short of what we had hoped for? Because less than ideal circumstances are what most of us find ourselves in more often than not, let's ask this last question. How can we become more thankful people even in the midst of tough times? To answer this, I thought I'd catch you up a bit on our story and share what we've found about how to give thanks to God, not for all circumstances, but in them all. As many of you know, Aaron and I committed to starting our family through adoption. After seeing the plight of the orphan while we did a lot of international work in college, we knew that before trying to have our own children, we wanted to adopt. So we've been in the process of adopting a child or possibly children from South Africa, a country that has sadly been suffering a significant orphan crisis. While this was the track that we were on and we are still on, Last spring, we were contacted about adopting an elementary-aged child here locally who was being given up for adoption. This came out of nowhere, and so we prayed fervently, sought counsel, and ultimately decided that this was what God was calling us to do. So a few months back, you might have heard me announce that this little child had come into our home. It was an incredible moment for us. But after only a few weeks with us, we discovered, along with the counsel of other professionals, 
that this child had such significant needs that, that this child required more help than our family or any family was able to provide at that time. So we helped get this child what was needed and continued frequent visits and phone calls, praying all the while that God would intervene to such an extent that it would make it possible for this child to return to our home. At one point along the way, there was some hope that this might be possible, but that was only uh, for us to discover that for a variety of reasons, we would not have the opportunity to gain legal custody of this child, and we found out we actually never could have. So as you might imagine, we were absolutely crushed, devastated, angry, beyond words, and oftentimes beyond tears. This summer has been the hardest season of life that we have ever gone through. But we're beginning to turn the page day by day and beginning to heal a little at a time. It's been anything but easy, and we still have a long road ahead. But we've learned a lot along the way about continuing to pray thanks, even when circumstances don't seem to allow such a thing. And honestly, it really helped knowing I had to give a sermon on thanks in the midst of this. And I think that's God's providence, and I could wrestle with these questions in preparation for this, but it also cared deeply for my soul. And so while we don't pretend to be experts at this, we are just merely beggars who are trying to help other beggars find bread. And so here's what we found about how to give thanks, even in the toughest of times. The first significant lesson came from hearing the story of Steve Hayner, who's the president of InterVarsity, who was the president of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Steve, who is known as a great leader in many circles, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer several months back. And during this time, he's been doing a lot of writing. And in this writing, he's been giving the church some beautiful words for how to handle suffering. And he's been talking about how he's no longer really able to seize the day or to live life to the max like he thought he once could. But instead, he writes these incredible words. I am no longer able to seize the day, but I'm working on greeting the day. I love the freedom that arises from this idea. So many things in our lives are just simply out of our control. So it's not possible to really carpe diem, seize the day like we're told to. Instead, we can greet the day. During a stretch in the early summer, when I found it almost impossible just to get out of bed, this truth became so helpful. Learning to greet the day was enormously beneficial to think about. I started to realize this day, this moment, is a gift from God. The mere fact that I woke up today and I got breath in my lungs shows that God wants me to be alive this day. And for that, I can greet the day and say, here I am, day. Here I am, God. This is the day you have made. We will rejoice. I will rejoice. Give thanks and be glad in it. Perhaps seizing the day is out of the question right now for you and for whatever you're going through. Then maybe God's invitation to you is to simply greet the day. Greet the day. That's lesson one. Lesson two came from the words of the 20th century 
German pastor who was martyred by the Nazis during World War II, and that's Diedrich Bonhoeffer, a man quite familiar with giving thanks to God in the midst of tremendous suffering. Here's what Bonhoeffer writes. In Christian community, thankfulness is just what it is anywhere else in the Christian life. Only he who gives thanks for the little things receives the big things. We prevent God from giving us the great spiritual gifts he has in store for us because we forget to give thanks for the ordinary, small, and yet not really small gifts. How can God entrust great things to one who, is not thankfully, who, who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? Only he who gives thanks for the little things receives the big things. Now, Bonhoeffer is not prescribing some kind of formula to get what you really want by praying thanks over and over and over and over again for these little things, hoping you'll get something big. No. What he's trying to say is that when you actually count every blessing and give thanks and give thanks and give thanks and give thanks, you start to realize how much you already have. You start to realize how much you already have. The real secret to being more thankful is to simply and habitually give thanks. Because the more you pray and say thanks, the more reasons you'll have to give thanks. The only way to notice how much you actually have is to take time to notice how much you already have. Thus, to become more thankful and pray thanks more, giving thanks will give us uh, the way to, to do that. As we give thanks, it'll give us more reason to give thanks. And that undoubtedly heightens our joy. So the second lesson is to thank God for every not-so-small gift because no gift is really that small. The third lesson came several weeks ago when I had received uh, the final piece of this tough news. I was out visiting a colleague on the North Shore, and after our meeting, I went over to Singing Beach in Manchester by the sea to pray and just kind of hopefully find God out there. And I was reading Psalm 34 from the message. And this verse, in verse 18, really touched my life and became a real gift to me. It says, if your heart is broken, you will find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. Brokenhearted is exactly how I could have described myself in that moment. But what comfort I sense then and still do now to know that God is here. So how can we begin to pray thanks when we're devastated? We can pray thanks because in that brokenness, God is still right there. My friends, if your heart is broken, you will find God right there. That's lesson three. I told my mentor, Kent, who I'd mentioned earlier about this experience, and he went on to describe to me how sand, sand is made. He says it's when they take a big rock and they crush it and pulverize it and beat it until it becomes these tiny crystals. That's how sand is made. But this image of sand gave me hope that maybe my life, which felt beaten and crushed and devastated, could be turned into something beautiful as well. As Kent said, maybe my life will be something like that sand on the beach in Manchester in the sea that actually sings. And maybe your brokenness will be something like that 
that sings like that sand too. Father, thank you. The final lesson intensified the third, and it came from one of Eugene Peterson's writings on suffering. Here's what he says. The ironic fact of the matter is that more often than not, people do not suffer less when they are committed to following God, but more. When these people go through suffering, their lives are often transformed, deepened, marked with beauty and holiness in remarkable ways that could never have been anticipated before the suffering. So instead of continuing to focus on preventing suffering, which we won't simply be very successful at anyways, perhaps we should be entering the suffering, participating insofar as we are able, entering the mystery and looking around for God. So why did I share this quotation about suffering in the midst of a sermon on giving thanks, which would be a lot happier? Well, because we can never give thanks in all circumstances unless we understand the redemptive hope that still exists even in the face of the worst suffering. Enter the mystery of suffering and look for God. And you won't have to look very far either. Just start at the cross. It's there that we can find solidarity and hope with Jesus because he can identify with what we're at, whatever we're going through. He's carried the heaviest burden. He hung on the loneliest cross. He entered the darkest tomb all because of his great love for you and for me and for all of us. Enter the mystery and find Jesus at the cross. It's impossible to truly see Jesus work on the cross and not say thank you. So to give thanks in all circumstances and grow in gratitude, review these lessons here with me. Lesson one, greet the day. Lesson two, give thanks for every not-so-small gift. Lesson three, if your heart is broken, you will find God right there. Lesson four, enter the mystery of suffering and find Jesus at the cross. There's nothing like the cross to help you find the words, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I was having breakfast with a mentor of mine in Arlington over, over this time, and he asked me in the midst of it, how are you doing as well as you actually are? I mean, don't get me wrong, you still don't look good. Thanks a lot. <laughs> That's a bigger problem. But anyways, he said, but you're still standing pretty strongly. How are you doing that? And I said, we are being upheld right now by the prayers of so many people that have been praying for us. Their prayers are what is keeping my feet on the ground. Prayer makes a difference. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise, and don't ever stop. It makes a huge difference, and it's made a huge difference in my life. And so I want to say thank you for that. At the beginning of this message, I wrote some goofy thank you notes to random things. But before we close, I want to sincerely and seriously thank you and say thank you to many of you who've helped support us. Thank you to our families who have been there all the way. Thank you to our neighbors who have cared for us and supported us and checked in on us. Thank you for our friends for inviting us to, to come out and hang out and take a break from, from grieving. And thank you to you, our church, our church that we love, Grace Chapel. So many of you have been praying incredibly great prayers for us, and it's made a huge difference. I'm so thankful to be a part of a community where I'm cared for more as a person than just by my performance as a pastor. 
And as a young pastor, that has made a world of difference for me. Thanks for cheering us on and supporting us, and I know many of you will continue to do so. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So my brothers and sisters, may we become the kind of people that other people would thank God for. May we become the kind of church that this greater Boston community would be so glad is here. May we become the kind of Christian community at large that the whole world gives thanks to God for. And may we never stop, never quit, and never let up on praying thanks because praying thanks places us in the presence of God and it heightens our joy. And there's no better place to be than in the company of God with God's people together. Thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we just give you thanks for this morning. Thank you that you have been here in our presence as you always are. I pray for each person here, and especially those who might sense a little distance from you, God, that they would feel closer to you than they ever have before. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for life and breath and everything else you give. And God, we want to take a moment just to confess in our hearts the obstacles that we've built up that have prevented us from being more grateful. And I invite you now, wherever you are, to just ask for God's forgiveness for maybe comparison or being in, in too much of a hurry. Whatever has been keeping you from being more grateful, ask for God's forgiveness. And as you look past, just back on the last couple days, I invite you to take a moment just to thank God for the gifts that he's given you. Maybe look back even further. God, thank you that when each of our hearts has been broken, that you've been right there. God, thank you that you do never leave us, that you never forsake us, that you let nothing separate us from your great love. And no matter what we're going through, we know we can have such hope. And I pray that through the toughest of times that we might be experiencing, God, that you would use these situations to help conform us more and more to the image of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, who we give thanks to this morning. And everyone said together, amen, amen.